0: Guys, welcome to Joyfully You podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Lowe, and we have Casey Bell on here today with Awakened Freedom Publishing. And I'm so excited for you guys to join in on this conversation. This is going to be kind of a conversation between me and Casey, and you guys get to be a part of it. Uh, Casey and I met at Pays to Be Brave in 2018, it was Angie Lee's event. She's someone that um, both of us obviously have, have really looked up to you in certain ways. And so Casey and I met literally in the hallway walking back and just kind of absorbing all the information. If you've ever been to a conference or any type of live event, it's a lot of information. It's a lot of people, a lot of stimulation. And somehow you and I found each other walking back to our hotel room or something, right? I don't even remember, but obviously we were supposed to meet.
1: <laughs> uh, it was absolutely beautiful. It, and you're right. There was a lot of energy. Specifically at that first Angie Lee event, and something about our encounter just felt really nurturing and serendipitous and grounding because we were able to kind of vibe off each other and allow ourselves to find that grounding point. I think we were sharing um, like all of the things that we had received from the event and just put them in my hotel room. And so that oh, was that's right. Of, do you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it was almost like this little bit of home center and we didn't see each other a lot throughout the event, but it was really beautiful to connect yeah. With there. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Staying in contact with Instagram. so It's the thing, right? I'm so glad that we did. Me too. And it's been awesome
1: following your journey from afar too because I guess this leads into a little bit about my story because leading up to that, I had just decided a couple months before that, I felt pulled to this event. I was going to follow that intuitive knowing, hopped on a plane from Saskatchewan, which is in the middle of Canada. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm going to San Diego by myself. And so anyone I met there, it felt really beautiful and really natural. So thank you so much for having me on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So tell us, you know, I mean, that was 2018. It's now 2020. Over the past two years, like tell us a little bit about what you've been up to you know, cause I know you have awakened freedom publishing where you're helping people really like have their soul expression through writing, right. Mm-hmm. To elevate their business. But then you also have this conscious leadership side where you're helping other people become leaders in their own life. So like, right. Is that kind of, am I understanding correctly?
1: Absolutely. So it actually all merges into one. I'll tell you a little bit about my story to bring some context and how all of these pieces fit together. Because I really think that my journey throughout childhood and adolescence and through my 20s and up till now was characterized by this really multifaceted experience. And for a while, I think I was running from that or didn't see the power within that. And even as a young adult, when I was about 20, I was almost feeling shame around that, that I didn't have one focus because everything was calling me. And I loved diving into different creative projects. And now what I'm seeing is, in hindsight, it's this beautiful hawk eye view about how it all fits together to support the work that I do now.
0: Mm -hmm. So... Yeah. So you're telling me you're multi-passionate. Oh, okay. Right. (laughs) I know there is like this pressure that, and I got that too of like, oh, but I like this and I like this and I like this. And, you know, I mean, Angie Lee's whole thing is you need to niche down. You need to have one thing. And, you know, there's multiple realities that can exist as you and I both know. Like we don't have to niche down to one thing unless we want to. (laughs) And all of those aspects get to serve the quote-unquote one thing, right?
1: So we get to bring it together to create the one thing that's in total alignment with me. So if you want, I'll just like jam out. Yeah, tell us what your one thing is. (laughs) Perfect. So I grew up on a small farm in Saskatchewan. As I said, that's like in the middle of Canada. And I really was surrounded by a lot of love, a lot of passion, and a desire to dive into a bunch of different things. And so this kind of led to me... Fulfilling this high achieving archetype. I had my book, you know, my nose in the books. I loved connecting with other people. I loved creating different projects. So I went on to university with this understanding that I was still fulfilling that high achieving archetype, right? Mm-hmm. So I got a couple degrees in the sciences. And it's not to say that I didn't love that. You know, my passions were within the human body and optimizing that form. So I dived into you know, a degree in physiology and pharmacology, and then later pharmacy. And at the same time, I was still really engaging in my creatrix energy too. I was writing for the university newspaper and delving into exploring what it meant to be me in the world. Mm. And it was through that experience really that, you know, and in hindsight, it always looks so intentional, right? But this experience where I dove into uh, starting my own blog, Books and Bridges, and it was this really simple opening that allowed for me to see that the way I expressed myself, the way that I shared my truth, uh, was accessible through any point in time. And I remember I you know was on the precipice of graduating from pharmacy, diving into a clinical practice, and I had this meeting with a financial advisor. And he was just looking at my future and saying like, what is it that you want to do? I said, I don't know. Like, I don't know what it is I want to do. I didn't know for sure if I was going to take my education and dive right into practicing. And I was totally okay with that. I always had. So you are going to
0: be a doctor? Is that what I'm hearing?
1: A pharmacist.
0: A a pharmacist. pharmacist.
1: Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and so I did dive into practicing, but at that moment when you asked me what do you want to do, it was like this eye-opening for a 23-year-old. It was eye-opening. Oh, like that was the first insight I had into I get to co-create this experience, right? Like mm-hmm. there is this opportunity to dance with what I thought was expected of me and you know, checking all those things off.
0: The degree, yeah. the house, the home, the the relationship. A feeling that, that overachieving identity of needing to be the best, right? Exactly. Did, did that kind of like come naturally to you or do you feel like it was something that you created to feel safety, you know, because you, do you still feel like you're in that archetype? I think a little bit in the way that it
1: serves the true soul aligned mission, right? So I think where that initial archetype comes from is an external, societal based expectation. When we dance with that, we kind of get to see where that serves us in a way that's actually in alignment with what we're feeling called to do. So So did it just,
0: was it just kind of a natural progression towards spirituality or did something happen? Cause I feel like normally there's like, what's your dark night of the soul, Casey?
1: Yeah. So I think the answer is yes and no. There were these pivotal moments within my experience whether that be um, even during university as I was about to hop into this you know world of a young adult world of being myself in the world there were these moments where there were really challenging experiences that brought you into such a present moment that it was hard not to see the divinity within that so I always grew up with this environment of grounded faith like my mom had always raised us like that same with my dad and it was a very open open experience and open dialogue in that manner but through those quote-unquote challenging experiences it allows you to come back to the core of who you are and then though that kind of manifested more as I found myself diving into creative flow so To kind of go back to my story, I um, had graduated university, I dove into practicing pharmacy, and at that same time I was like, oh, I get to create this other thing, and I get to allow my soul to lead the way within that. So as I was journeying through that, I became obsessed with creative flow state, actually. And as I was tapping into that, whether through meditation or all of these different practices, that's when I really tapped into those transcendental experiences. And that may have been the most pivotal moment that you're talking about.
0: Ooh. How would you describe transcendental meditation? Yeah. So I'm the type of person that like, I don't take a lot of
1: time to dive into definitions of things.
0: Yeah. Or like, just what is it? Cause I guess
1: I don't know what transcendental is. Sure. So for me, it was transcending the experience that I thought was reality. So just everyday experiences in life and being a part of your emotionality and mentality and your physicality and really tapping into the seat of the soul that lies beneath that. So that spaciousness, that awareness, and specifically that natural state of unconditional love and bliss that we are. That And that was about in 2016, 2017, when I started to tap into that as I was pursuing like flow state, which I thought was mostly this physiological mental state that supported our ability to really be creative and effective and efficient and optimize our learning. But it was also this next level, which was tapping into the soul, tapping into the spirit that runs through you. And at that moment, I was like, holy shit, like this unconditional love state is accessible to us in every present moment. And so that may have been like the point in time where the spiritual awakening accelerated.
0: Hmm. Oh, beautiful! Wow. Have you noticed, like, that through meditation, like, what have you noticed as big, big differences within your life because of introducing meditation and because of having meditation be a self practice?
1: Hmm. That's such a beautiful question, and I think what comes top of mind is the spaciousness that it introduces. And what I mean by that is that space between reactivity and responding, that space between intellectual thinking of the mind, which is still beautiful and supportive, and the intuitive knowing that's pulling the way, like that feeling of being one with the flow of life, of hearing God, the universe spirit, allowing us to be pulled forth that is what began to lead the way for me and i realized the strengths within my ability even to show up and practice as a pharmacist my strengths within my ability to connect with other people was always led from that intuitive you know gut instinct type place so it did you a always trust
0: space. did you always trust that intuitive space or like was it just having the examples of family that trusted that allowed that like transfer of confidence to trust your gut. I'm curious. Cause like, that's like something that's been coming up in conversation a lot with, with friends or clients or whatever else is, you know, the self-trust mm. tuning into that gut instinct of being like, I'm called towards, I mean, and you know how I feel about this is listen to the gut, follow the gut every single time. Um, But I guess how do you know? What what's the first thing that comes to your mind? There's no right or wrong answer, you know, it's just I think it's a Mm re-empowering
1: because although I was always connected to that gut instinct, there were some monumental moments where it was so strong and I didn't know that I could listen. Based on where I was in my life. I remember specifically like I was 19 or 20 and I was sitting in this large lecture hall in university and I heard this strong internal knowing like this isn't exactly Meant for you and that's okay But you have an opportunity now to reroute to something that is. And I didn't know in that moment that I could actually take aligned action and follow that, right? Mm -hmm. So I think life experience brought me to understand that when we do lean into that, and of course, there are no right or wrong answers here, right? Like we get to choose experiences and receive the lessons available, whether or not that's a quote unquote mistake or the wrong direction or fully in alignment. But it's a re-empowerment of understanding that that is where our truth lies, right? And that is intentionally created. So if we can all tune into that and speak to that and live through that, then we can embrace the fact that we are these multi-dimensional creatures who also make mistakes and fuck up and get to learn from that, right? It becomes pretty fun and it's easy to say after the fact, but hindsight always allows us that perspective.
0: Mm Hmm, and that's the human experience. And I and this this like came up with uh, someone recently, and she was like, "I just I, I just wish I wasn't feeling this way, you know." Or I've heard people say, "I shouldn't I shouldn't feel this way," and it's almost like taking away from the exact purpose of our emotions and of our human experience. And like, there's emotions that are more comfortable than others, but it doesn't take them take make any of them more or less important right they're all like a part of that process so I'm curious with um, your writing you know teaching people how to write from the soul essentially what would be the first step that you would do in working with someone and pulling out that expression because it's for people who want to be writers and write books or is it just for writing in general or writing to support their online business like Who is this for? Right. So I'm going to provide a little bit of context.
1: So in 2017, I was leaning into creative flow. I was really diving into my craft of writing as well. And I decided that, you know, I'm one of those people who doesn't wait for someone else to anoint you. Like I wasn't applying to publications. I decided I wanted to create an online magazine. And so I gathered this little humble group of 10 Saskatchewan writers and we got together and um, I was the editor of that publication and we brought it to life. And it was this really fun opportunity to set their words free and their voice free in this creative nonfiction environment where people were telling stories from the heart where I gave them as the editor, the time and space to create the stories that had meaning rather than meeting that Sunday noon deadline, right? So we created this opportunity for the SaaS press. And through that experience, I, I came to see I was really on fire when I was able to support other people's words and creative expression. And this is when I was also starting to feel like at the same time that I wasn't fully fulfilled within my practice in healthcare. And I was starting to dance with this idea of entrepreneurship. So after we launched the SAS press, I decided um, to launch my own business. And at that time, the need that I saw was people are really you know, excited when I'm able to take their words to the next level. So I just started uh, offering editing, revising services, really simple coaching around writing. But I knew that wasn't the fullness of what I meant was meant to serve through. I gave it the space to kind of percolate. And that's when I ended up at peace to be Brave. And that's where I met you. (laughs) And within the course of that next year, This idea of supporting conscious leaders and soul aligned visionaries to bring the most radiant expression of their voice forward was something that revisited me. So I decided to tune into how I could support them to reveal their full power and potential, embody their truest essence and become the embodiment of their true message. So what this meant was I got to step into the space of mentorship and coaching. And that's how it evolved from simple editing and revising to supporting soul-aligned entrepreneurs. And then what I realized was as I was developing these processes that supported people to tap into their creativity, those were also things that could support soul-aligned entrepreneurs to tap into their own creative expression, the way they serve their communities and their audiences and their clients. Um, So how I support them is really first, tuning into the truth within. And this allows us to step into that magnetic expression, anchor into their grounded confidence in a way that supports their ability to serve through their sacred gifts and medicine. This is how I got involved in sacred leadership and conscious leadership, because it is all in tune with tapping into that spirit, that truth within, in a way that supports our soul-aligned callings, in a way that supports our ability to serve our audiences in our communities and our clients.
0: Mm. How would you approach if someone were to tell you they had writer's block? Yeah. First of all, I would extend the invitation to contemplate
1: if writer's block is a thing or if we're actually talking about resistance you know back to Steven Pressfield in the war of art
0: oh my favorite book <laughs> Do you love I it? love that book so much I've read it like six times like I'm obsessed with Steven Pressfield I've been sliding in his dms like crazy being like I love your book I my goal for 2020 is to interview Steven Pressfield I'm just putting it out there it's a declaration I love him I love his book I think oh gosh so I'm so glad you brought that up you guys I'm gonna put the link to that book in the show notes okay <laughs> <laughs> and
1: so it's done. Kelsey's making this declaration. It is done.
0: <laughs> yep. You guys, if you're listening to this, send me a DM and say, I'm looking forward to Stephen's interview. Okay. Let's affirm it into the universe.
1: <laughs> Everyone tag him in your stories. Kelsey Lowe show, Steven Pressfield 2020. Yeah. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs>
0: He's going to be like, who is this girl? But he did reply to one of my DMs. So conversation's Beautiful. been initiated. Who knows if it's Ham or his granddaughter actually running his Insta. <laughs>
1: These are, these are the things I'm talking about, those soul line gut instincts, those pulls, that's what we're meant to follow. And if we can go around learning and up-leveling as much as we want, don't get me wrong, I've invested in mentors and conferences and experiences and travel and so much time and energy and financial investment too. And what it all comes back down to though is understanding like, holy shit, we had the power all along. Like I get to embody everything that I am. And I think it takes that journey of declaration, of revisiting to understand that we can trust within ourselves. So revisiting that writer's block question, I would suggest first open up to see why we're carrying that story that we're blocked. Mm. And then secondly, lean into discerning if that resistance is an intuitive instinct to redirect the direction we're going in, or if it's that point where our inner fire maybe needs a little bit more fuel and we get to step on the pedal and accelerate through so that we can expand into our next experience of being. Mm. So that's my, that's my posing question to that. And then we can get into like all of the techniques and everything to work through that, but just dissolve the idea that you're blocked. Let's start with there. Like, can we introduce the idea that this gets to be easy just a little bit?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think when the perfectionism is taken off, then it's like, yeah, it gets to be easy. I think anytime there's a writer's block or the resistance, it's the need for it to look a certain way, you know, instead of accepting just how it looks. (laughs) Totally. Even with writing, for me, it's just starting and putting pen to paper. And like something that Stephen Pressfield really preaches in his personal practice is he said, he said, I can't wait for inspiration to come. Instead, I sit down every day at 9 30 AM and when my pen hits the paper, the inspiration flows because I don't give myself any other choice but to write. He said, My goal is to write. My goal is not to write something amazing. He said, I don't care if it's absolute shit. My goal is to write every day from 9:30 to 1030. And if I sit down and do it, then I've reached my goal. And like, it's just such a, takes the pressure off to be like, you know, my goal is to write. My goal is not to write something fabulous.
1: Yeah. That's absolutely beautiful. And so powerful because it also invites us to take a look, like where's that desire for perfection even coming from? I think someone once said, I don't know who to quote here, but perfectionism is just a fancy way of disguising insecurity. So, oh, that's guys. so
0: good. Oh my gosh. That was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I resonate with that so much because I, I associated with perfectionism myself for certain things. Actually, I didn't. That's like the classic perfection. i be like, not perfect. You know, says someone who's trying to be like nitty gritty. And I remember someone telling me that they're like, what's standing in the way between you and your leadership. So I did like a really intensive leadership course where Talk about like having your blind spots be told to you in front of 55 people, you know, being like, what's standing in the way between you and your leadership is your desire to fulfill this perfect fantasy that doesn't exist. And Mm -hmm. being told that was like a big, like, whoa, that's why I'm a big proponent of messy action, because it's something that I personally struggled with. And I realized how freeing it was to let myself express without comparison, without this unattainable perfectionism and just create right? Mm -hmm. Just get messy and drop into that.
1: (laughs) Beautiful. And then it gets to be fun. So we can take a look and see where do I get to forgive myself for expecting that perfection in the, in the past? Where do I get to be grateful for this creatrix energy that is coming through right now? And like, where do I get to dive in and celebrate it for what it is, right? that mess. It's beautiful. That truth. That's all we need to do is show up and tell our truth. I think I shared that on Instagram recently is that's all you've got to do. Like at the end of the day, you are a conduit of a message for a reason and you are the one and only you and we're all special snowflakes. like right? That's <laughs> <what>. <laughs> so get out of your own way. You don't have to be anything other than what you are. And I, I realize that a lot of people say this, but it gets to be for you. Every single thing, everything that we perceive as pain, as challenge, it gets to be beautiful. And yes, people need space held for them. And yes, we get to journey together through those experiences. And how can we always shift back to that seat of the soul to understand that everything we're encountering is in support of what we're here to create, mm-hmm. of what we're here to bring
0: to life? Yeah. Even the dark stuff. Like I look back exactly. at, I'm um, yeah, like I look back at, you know, 2018 was rough. My I had a close friend pass away and it challenged everything that I believe in. It did because I do believe everything happens for you. But in the midst of it, I had to disconnect from needing to figure out how this is happening for me in order to just be a part of that human experience and grieve and <clears throat> let myself grow through that. And like... I think because I think someone hearing that could easily get pissed off if they're in the midst of hardship mm-hmm. or if they're in the midst of an, a challenging experience, and but it always does work out for you if you if, if because I refuse to believe anything else except for this is working out for me in some way and I don't know how but I I, I choose to keep my heart on my sleeve. You know, have you had experiences like that where? I mean, maybe even with clients or with yourself personally, that it was kind of. I guess I don't know what my question is because I guess like hearing that, it's like it gets to be easy, it gets to be fun, it gets to be beautiful. Yes, yes, yes. And when it's not, it's like internally we need to hold space for the possibility of that, even if you have to be with yourself in the shittiness, like in the in the darkness, in the this doesn't feel good, but I'm here for a human experience, not to be in that soul vibration 24 seven, because I feel like the, the soul is constantly bringing or like the human experience and the emotions is constantly refining um, what we like and what we don't like, what we're here for and what we're not here for, what we tolerate and what we don't tolerate. Right. Is that mm-hmm. that duality of those mm-hmm. both sides of things. So. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't have a question. I guess that was just like something that ca- came through.
1: You know, so much, so much potent value in what you're sharing and it would be a fallacy to think that we don't all have shit storms and dark nights of the soul. And there were so many important um, transformational experiences within my own journey mm-hmm. that maybe I didn't see at the time. And you know what, that's okay. So for example, there were a few years, about 10 years ago, where my mom was really sick and she was just the embodiment of determination and choice during that time. And she decided to live, essentially. And we got to completely be on board for that. And you come to this point where you're in complete surrender and knowing that the grief that you're experiencing, whether it's for illness or, or the release and transition of your beautiful family member you know, this gets to be an experience that at the time may, may not be clear. It may be the fog. It may be journeying through something we don't understand yet, but we get to take a look back. And those kept hitting me time after time after time. Like I can't even tell you the shit storms that occurred all at once. But what's interesting is when you look at it, you just ride it like a wave, right? Like there was this time where I almost lost my brothers and That was an opportunity again. And I don't think I had the awareness within those experiences, but eventually it clicks and the light comes on. And that's why I need my business Awaken Freedom is like this light comes on that can never be shut off again. And it's like pewing back the layers of the onion. So we get the experiences over and over and over, whether challenging, painful, or beautiful and exciting and blissful, right? And they get to shape us just like you said, it's... These slow redirections, the choices that our souls made to come have these experiences in the school called life. And it hurts, it hurts, and it's painful, and it's fucking beautiful.
0: I love that you said your mom decided to live. That's so powerful. Thank you.
1: I, I don't know that I would have articulated it that way until the experiences that I've had over the past decade. And in retrospect, I'm like, wow, you know. Sometimes it comes that moment where you weren't able to see how the souls and the the soul allies and partners in your life had been teaching you all along, and you get to come back to that and see see how that all fits together.
0: Mm. And I love how you described it as a wave because I, I I use that analogy as well as the wave. It's like riding the wave, riding the roller coaster remembering that I don't want life to be balanced and stagnant anyways. It's like, okay, I'm here for this ride. I signed up for it. I'm ready for it. Um, And so, you know, even, and it's kind of, you know, what's kind of cool too is some of the most potent and amazing art comes from those low dips in the roller coaster, right? Because it's like, we're more connected to our human experience and that humanity and those, those emotions that are light and heavy. Those emotions create incredible art. Mm, beautiful. Yeah.
1: They absolutely do. I remember referencing this in one of my workshops in a writing and flow workshop, and we were talking about how we get to embrace both aspects of that, how we get to invite the dark times to serve the light too, right? And how we get to invite our joy and bliss to create too. So thank you for pointing that out. That's such an important experience. Yeah. As a conscious leader, as someone who rises up to show what it means, we get to acknowledge all aspects of that. It's not about posturing. It's not about pretending that things are perfect. It's about welcoming in how it gets to be easy with the wholeness of the human experience. So thank you for for
0: clarifying that, Kels. Yeah. So how do you get into flow state?
1: Mm. So I've allowed my experience in the morning, which I call my sacred devotional practice to evolve over time, whatever feels most nourishing, most exciting for me at that stage in my life. And I use a daily devotional practice, which is my time in the morning um, to transition into flow state. So right now what that looks like is I get up in the morning, I serve my physical form. It's really about the body in 2020. So I move, do intuitive kind of yogic stretches and movement. I dance around, a lot of play and fun with our fur family here. I support With your fur dogs. family? Aww. Yes. <laughs> we have two dogs and two cats. So, so we have quite the little crew here. And yeah, and then I, I dive into some hot water with some lemon and really about supporting that physical form first and foremost. And then I move into right now, meditation, breath work, and then an envisioning practice. And those are the things that feel most exciting and supportive right now. And of course, like there's a static dance throughout the day, different movement practices. If I need to take a break in the afternoon and in the evening, I also introduce breath work and envisioning. And then my very favorite process is stream of consciousness writing, of course, because that's when I allow myself to empty and refill and
0: get it all out. So is that process where you just start writing and you like time yourself and you don't stop writing for a certain amount of time and just see what comes through? You betcha. And
1: I don't even time myself. I allow myself um, creative space every morning after my devotional practice. So it's kind of like intuitive or on a subconscious basis. I know in myself how long I have to go. So I have that hour
0: just to flow. Nice. I call that, I call it a judgment-free mind dump. (laughs) That's exactly what it is. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So that, how, your morning routine sounds amazing, first and foremost. And is it, it, how have you created like the structure, the discipline to keep it up and keep it consistent? Has it become a, a habit now to where there isn't any like quote unquote devotion or discipline needed um, or are you a routined person that it's just like, that just works for you? Like, I'm curious. Cause I'm sure I'm, I'm getting like the collective voice of some people being like, yeah, that'd be great if I could, or if I had the time, you know, and it's all about making time, of course, but I'd love to hear how you keep that in place.
1: You bet. So originally it started with routine so in 2017 when I was really looking at creating my writing and flow workshop and I became obsessed with teaching and sharing how to transition into flow state that's when it was more of oh how does it look to create a structured routine around that so it may have taken a little bit more time I may have set aside an hour and a half kind of thing for both the flow state activities as well as the creation and now it's really intuitive so I would say that it was building that resilience and my ability to feel into how I'm supportive, supported by that routine initially. And now it's really intuitively driven and I don't feel resistance towards doing Mm -hmm. it. I'm just like, what's in most support of me right now. And if today is a day that I don't feel like having a cold shower, I don't because I trust in my long-term resilience within that. And I'm always looking at the intention behind the activity that I'm using or that Mm -hmm. practice that I'm implementing? Is it just out of course? Right. Cause then we're just implementing that like posturing or the societal expectation again in a new way.
0: Mm -hmm. So No. Yeah. Cause I had someone tell me, Oh, I should have a morning routine. And it's like, Ooh, should, should. It's like, where's that coming from? I love that you brought up the intention behind it, right? Because if the intention is to nourish yourself, amazing. But if the intention is, Oh, in order for me to be a good, Blank, good human, I should do this because this is what Casey said. It's like, no, let the intention behind it be from a place of self-love, right? From a place of nourishment.
1: Because we're always coming back to that, right? Mm -hmm. We can show up and be unconditional love. And as you said, holding that vibrational frequency at all times But is it of truth? Like we get to see, are we spiritually bypassing things by just diving into a morning practice that makes us feel in tune with our truest essence before looking at our humanity? Well, then we're not in full service too, right? Like we get to lean into our emotions and take a look and see, why am I feeling this in the morning? Why am I feeling this? Why am I feeling that I should be doing that? And if we're feeling you know, overwhelm when we're waking up, how about just merging with that and allowing us to teach and do its work before diving into um, what we thought would be in more support. So we can have our routines and they can be there and we can be unattached to our methods. We can allow ourselves to process and journey through each each day, each season of our life with what it calls for and needs.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's actually like a lot of freedom and structure, whether we realize it or not. Right. So even just yeah. like you carving out that time in the morning, something that I would recommend for people, it's just coming to my mind right now is if you want to have a morning routine, just block off that time and whatever you yeah. want to fill it with, fill it with it, but block off that time. Right. Like, do you have, so for you, you is intuitive, like to where sometimes it's 20 minutes, sometimes it's an hour and a half, like you just let it be what it is. No, I have structured containers for everything. okay, so the okay first tell thing us in my about schedule.
1: That, yes. yes, the first thing in my schedule always is my devotional practice. And for me that feels great in the morning. So I have those two hours in the morning where that is for tuning into me. I get to have creative energy within that. I get to fill my cup up and within that structured container, then there's intuitive flow. Because it's always supported by that. And some people refer to this, you know, by the feminine and the masculine, we get to be unattached to those qualities, but we get to put that in place. And I recently came up with this like sacred, sacred scheduling process. Well, actually it was over the course of the past couple of years as I was supporting people in their own creative processes. And that's what we realized is those structured containers set ourselves free to be intuitive, set ourselves free to follow our gut instinct.
0: Yes, yes, yes. The, the, I just had that conversation with a friend this morning where she's like I just feel like I'm not feeling she said she said I'm not feeling very good about myself right now because I know that I could be more productive but I'm all over the place and I was and, and, and the same exact thing. I was like structure creates freedom because then you know exactly what like I like time blocking and like I've really been loving having Mondays be a certain way, Tuesdays be a certain way, Wednesdays be a certain way, Thursdays, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, whatever I want to do. If I want to work, great. If I don't, great. You know, But I give myself that permission because I can not carry around the, when am I going to do this? Because everything has a time and place and I've structured it. But I've definitely been in the place where I'm all over the place trying to do everything with like a chicken with a head cut off. And it's just like, that's not fun. That's not freedom. <laughs> exactly. Because then we're just We're living in this fallacy that we have spaciousness
1: and freedom, but we're not actually serving through our Dharma or our soul's mission because we're not able to take the aligned action if we feel scattered or if we have an imbalance of space. So then it comes back to taking a look at what serves my personal energy, right? Because we are human beings. We all have these certain personality traits. Some of us are more, some of us are more visionaries and we love the big picture. And how do we get to support ourselves in the everyday aligned action steps that add up over time mm-hmm. to create that momentum, those needle moving forward tasks. And they get to shift, right? And that's why we always start within the context of whatever container, uh, tapping into that truth within. Because when we tap into our core values, our living, breathing values, then we get to serve from the place that specifically supports our individual energy. And like you said, time batching is amazing. I use that as well. So for me, um, my Monday to Friday has a specific type of schedule. And Saturdays, I don't have expectation at all. I get to be completely free and present with my family, with my friends. That is time to just be. And then Sunday, I'm the super nerd, right? I love diving into, I have two hours on Sunday where I dive into sacred scheduling, which is my practice for the whole week. And that is something that supports me. And maybe for someone else of a different personality type, it would look a little bit differently, but that's where we get to start from.
0: I'm curious, what makes the scheduling
1: sacred? Hmm. So first of all is the intent behind it. We get to shift our intention and our perspective from something simple such as should and have to, to what I get to do and experience this week, what I get to learn this week, how I get to support myself as I show up in an expanded new way and how I get to embody this divinely created power within me this week from the highest level of knowledge and experience and intuitive flow that I know how in this moment so it's the intention that makes it sacred and then of course like the physical surroundings I like candles I give myself space and breath it's a time for me to lean in and by serving from that full cup I'm able to show up for my partner for my relationships my friends my soul aligned clients and for these beautiful soul sister connections that we have through Instagram and, <laughs> and <laughs> through the experiences that we've been on. What would you say is something that makes
0: a simple daily activity sacred to you? Mm, well, same thing is intention same thing. Yeah. I had a conversation with someone about how anything that's a routine can become a ritual. Anything. Mm. And the only difference is adding that intention. And so I have like a ritual with brushing my teeth, or whenever I brush my teeth, I look myself in the mirror and I mentally like give myself like affirmations. I gas myself up. I'm like, you're so strong. You're so powerful. You can do it. And it's just like, you know, I always make sure that that's when I do like the mirror work when I brush my mm-hmm. teeth, because I know that I'm going to brush my teeth every night and every morning, no matter what. So to make it a ritual, which I think like having a sacred practice and a ritual to me is kind of equal. Like that both kind of has the same meaning, you know? Um, but of course, like something that's sacred is something that is of, of God, you know? So when I think of anything that is sacred, it's something that is spiritual and of God. And if we can infuse, and, and we can infuse God into anything we do because God is everything, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's the source energy. It's the universe. Um, So yeah, I mean, and it's like funny, I just heard a girl talking about she started looking up sacred and looking up divine and she was saying how she doesn't believe in God, but she believes in source energy, because she had a bad association with the word God, you know, and it's like learning how to disassociate things and be like, it's just a word, you know what it is. Feeling-wise, you know what it is. You know, that feeling you get when you, like, see a little baby or when you see a sunrise or when you feel loved and nourished, like, that is source. That is God. And she started, like, uh, noticing that she was using divine and sacred all the time when she actually, her beliefs didn't actually align with those words, but she had been using those words because it was so in the collective and so like a part of this new vocabulary of conscious leaders <clears throat> that she was just throwing it in front of things and she like called herself out it was actually kind of cool because you you know you it's because those are big words and if we're going to use those like i love that you 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 set your space and like i and that you are connected with like the i guess the intensity of what that really is but it's not even that it's intense. It could be playful. But I would say sacred is, is the intention. And in order to have something be sacred, you have to believe that there is a higher power. You have to believe that you are a part of that higher power, right? And mm-hmm. so I've had conversations with different people. I've had people ask me, like, do I have to believe in God in order to work with you? I said, absolutely not. But you got to believe in something or else trust doesn't make sense. Mm. Amen.
1: I think within that, we get to see in you so beautifully articulated that, Kelsey, is that all that is, is divinely created. And so next step further is when we're using these terms, sacred, God, unconditional love, bliss, universe, source energy, we're referring to all that is, recognizing the divinity, which is so much easier to see within some things, but within everything, every being, and being unattached to our methods, and allowing those to support us in one way. Those rituals, yeah, they work. They're beautiful. They're sacred. And every single moment, every word, every connection is a prayer. This entire life Mm. is a prayer.
0: Yes. Uh, I saw, I don't know if I saw it or I posted it or whatever, but it was um, that that prayer is asking and meditation is listening and receiving. Mm. And I love that you brought up like, that everything gets to be a prayer. It does, right? Because if we're saying affirmations, it's a prayer. You know, it's it's a it's a declaration. It's a desire. It's, I think the things that get, like, I believe that the universe and God, it's such an empowering environment that it's so empowering, it's going to let us be right every mm-hmm. time. So if we mm-hmm. believe we can do it, we're right. If we believe we can't do it, we're right, you know? And so I think that when people pray, they there's a... I think there's a lot of disempowering vibrations around prayer of thinking, I can't do this. I need something bigger than me to do it for me. Um, And at the same time, there is a trust and surrender of believing that things can work out for us, right? Of, of knowing like that. So there's like a, actually, yes, it's, it's, there could be a, a disempowered perspective of it, but it could also be really empowering in believing that that is possible because we are a part of it. Not that it's something outside of us, Absolutely.
1: Sense? Absolutely. It comes back to that recognition and remembrance of that which we were created of, mm. which is of that. Right. So when we can continuously live from that seat and we referred to this before, but talked about we're going to journey through challenging experiences. We're going to journey through what experience, you know, what comes about is joy, pure bliss and happiness, which is of our birthright and we get to remember and recognize and reveal the truth that has always been within us. We get to harness that re-empowering perspective that whatever was taught to us as being external, we get to reclaim that and we get to do so through humility but through a perspective of knowing that we're always supported in every present moment. And then it's a dance that you were talking about. We're actually manifesting and co-creating in every present moment. So whatever we believe down from those subconscious belief patterns that we're carrying around from the past (laughs) couple of decades to the beliefs of our nervous system, which can be ancestral or physiological, so many perspectives there, but we're always co-creating in every moment. So let's, let's re-empower ourselves and take responsibility for that too. That, yeah, it's a dance. Yeah, we're going to make mistakes within that. And those mistakes aren't truly mistakes at all. That was yeah. all part of the course.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like reaffirming that everything happens for us, for not us. to us. So what advice would you give to the creative out there that's on, I'm just going to say on her soul journey, and she is ready to serve. She wants to step into her leadership. She wants to step into her power. Um, What guidance would you offer her?
1: At the heart and soul of all sacred leadership, of all conscious leadership, is the reigniting of the fire that has always been within you. As a soul-aligned, creative entrepreneur, a conscious leader, you are already that, and we get to reveal that power and potential that is an unlimited expression. You get to step into this next experience of being by owning the fire that's already within you. And that's how you'll truly serve through your sacred gifts and medicine, through your services and offerings. It doesn't matter the language you use. When you're ready to fully be your truth, That's when you're living your purpose, your callings. That's when you're being what you were created to be. That's when you're dancing and accepting the invitation that is of life. So you're already that. Let's just reveal it. Let's remember it. You're coming home.
0: Yeah. And it's safe to come home.
1: It's safe. We're safe in our bodies.
0: Yes. Okay. So I want you to finish the sentence. Creativity is the truest form of expression
1: of the self-realized. I love it. How can people get in contact with you, Casey? You can find me at awakenedfreedom.caseybellon on Instagram. That's where I'm always hanging out. You can also contact me at caseybellon.com. That's where I share my latest mastermind, the Awakened Leaders Mastermind. We're diving in this year. Um, and a lot of the workshops and programs that i have going on or also my Awakened Letter. That's where I love to serve. Anyone and anyone can
0: come join me there. Awesome. And I will have anyone, you guys can see all those links in the show notes as well. Casey, thank you so much for joining us on Joyfully you.
1: Thank you for having me. Yes.
0: i so excited. <laughs> thank you. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Joyfully You Podcast. I am your host, Kelsey Lowe and Casey. Thank you so much for joining us. You're
1: welcome.
0: Love you. Love you too.